0: Welcome to the Russia on the Record podcast. The Hamas attack on Israel has dominated news headlines this week, pushing reports on the battlefield in Ukraine from the front page. In this episode, we will discuss the conflict from the Russian perspective, both through personal stories and expert opinion. Since February 2022, many Russians who disagree with its government's actions in Ukraine have moved to Israel. Russian propaganda is now mocking the Russians who fled Israel, which is today under attack. We decided to ask those who moved how they live amid the current events, what they think about what is happening in Israel, and whether they plan to leave the country. Meet our guests, Anna and Mikhail. How long have you been living in Israel?
1: So I live around one year and a half. I moved to Israel in May of 2022. And so I live now.
2: And I'm here going back and forth from the beginning of the war of Russia, but finally settled in August 2022. So it's, yeah, it's a bit more than a year now.
0: And uh, which cities are you based in right now?
1: So I'm based in Be'er Beersheva is a southern city. It's like one of the biggest cities of Israel. And is like 100% the biggest city of the south. So I'm quite close to Gaza. But I'm like in the middle of Gaza and Dead Sea. Like if it's make it more clear. So not on the sea, like in the middle of desert. I'm literally after Beersheva ends, uh, desert, negative desert starts.
2: And I'm based in Netanya. That's right on the opposite side, so it's like uh, some 30, 40 minutes, depends on the traffic, north from Tel Aviv. Basically, it's it's the middle of the country, so it's probably, the by far, it's, it's the safest place and far from the border with Gaza, so there's nothing of, of invasion is kind of happening here.
0: Uh, So you moved to uh, Israel after uh, Russia attacked Ukraine, uh, like several months later. And uh, did you feel uh, in Israel here safer than in Russia when you first moved here?
1: I am from Moscow. Birsheba is different. It's
0: like less populated. It's very quiet.
1: And uh, for example, transport doesn't always work here. During Shabbat, we don't have transport and so on. So I'm like walking a lot because like there is no other option for me but it's not far comparing to Moscow. And I always walked like in the night and I couldn't understand if it's like safe or not safe. So this is what's like for me. I realized that it's just generally more safe here and I can relax. And like generally, yeah, I feel so much safer. Like I'm not very concerned, like when I'm walking around in the night or not. And uh, so generally I feel very good here it's like learn to not be scared of police <laughs> or army Like of course there is a lot of army guys and like uh, police everywhere and so yeah i learned to be that to understand that they are not like um so i don't have to worry around them
0: yeah, you were used to um, seeing police as a danger, as a potential danger in Russia. And so in Israel, your like attitude, your perception of police changed, uh, right?
2: I actually hear this or kind of this question a lot during those days. And some people are saying that, like, oh, kind of, poor you, you moved from, from the war here to the war there. But there's a huge difference because... I was not moving from the any, let's call it, physical danger. So at the moment when we left uh, Moscow, which was the final, probably was in September of 2022, there were no drones flying to Moscow. There were no, I don't know, any, I think that there were no any attacks on the territory of Russia. So there were no physical threats. But the feeling as, is very different. And I think it's different because here you understand that this is the society which kind of lives by the rules. So you have the means to protect yourself. And if you don't break the rules of the society, then it's okay. Nothing's going to happen. And in Russia, of course, recently the feeling is very different. You cannot say whatever you want. You cannot do whatever you want and so on. So this is what gives you the security. We were moving to Israel. We knew that there are terrorist attacks here and it was obvious. We know that it's not massive now, but our friends who live here were telling us that, look, you have to be aware that at any time there can be a bigger conflict and there can be some shootings or bombs or something and we say yeah we we know that but anyway the feeling is different and this feeling of security comes not from the fact that you can be attacked or not it comes from the fact that you can do something uh, about it you have rights as a citizen that's the important thing
0: so you moved uh, from russia to israel for the human rights if i may say so
2: for me personally, this was one of the pieces of the puzzle also. But I moved, uh, let's say, taking a bigger picture and a bigger perspective into consideration. So I feel that Russia is moving in a very wrong direction now. And I have three kids, so I don't want them to be raised in that atmosphere. And I see that, okay, the Israel is a country which has lots of its problems and difficulties and so on. But the direction it's moving to is very different. I'm in my 40s, so I have the feeling from Israel right now, the same like I had in Moscow in 1990s. Everything was bad, but everything was developing very fast in a very good way. So you have just felt that wave that the country is going towards the democracy, better living, and so on and so forth. And now it's it's the opposite, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I want to agree. And it's like, it's a human rights issue, of course. But yeah, it's like we're going from, like for myself, from dictatorship to democracy. This is like the bigger picture for me. First of all, I can be disagree with government here. Like police support the protests. I can not like run from police during protest or something like this. And uh, I can... Vocally, openly, say, wherever I think about every government representative here. And it will be all right. And I can do it, like, anywhere.
0: How did you spend your Saturday and Sunday when the attack of uh, Hamas started? Did you expect anything like this could happen when you moved to Israel? So I expected, like, rockets, bombs.
1: And I faced them before in Besheva. It's not the first conflict. And I talked with my friends during the night from like Friday to Saturday, just like absolutely normal talks. And so I didn't go to sleep for a very long time. And then I woke up like at 10, like 6.30 or 7, I don't remember, from the um, Siren. And I didn't expect it so much. I was like, is it Siren? Like... Am I hearing it? Like, is it correct? And then I even come to the window, and I'm like, "Where are the people? What are they doing?" But then, like, so this is like bad. Like, you shouldn't go to the window. Like, if you hear siren like you have to be very far from the from any glass. So I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" So then I'm just without anything without even shoes going outside to the safe zone and then I see my neighbors and uh, then I realized yes this is a rain this is happening something is happening and it was like actually like it was like four in a row so for three and a half hours I could come back to my apartment only four minutes or two and then I get uh, came back and sometimes I just like went to my apartment and I just reach my apartment and then like new Zealand starts and I'm going back and uh, so we all spent uh, all this time like I'm really glad that like I live alone and I'm really glad that uh, I had my neighbors with me. It was actually the first time I met them and a lot of them actually Russian speakers because like their parents, are from Soviet Aliyah. I don't know where exactly from. So I met their cats as well. It's, so they're very nice. They always take their cats for with them, like all the pets. <laughs> but, and then I realized that there's like people break through. So it's not only like rockets. I started to say that people break through. There is like some terrorists in some cities, but we don't know which one and where the southern city. So I kind of like, I don't know, if like rocket will bomb my building, like I need to run outside, but if I run outside, will I meet someone there or not? And I was like, just so scared because I didn't feel like, like I'm in between of two dangers. So it was hard. And uh, then during the day, I started to realize what's happening hear the news from the festival and everything. So generally it makes me nervous, of course. So, I'm just every day now I'm going back to sleep and I always prepare myself to wake up from Siren. And this is how I'm living. I can't do much. I can't like focus on a lot of things. I'm just like aware. I'm hearing every sound. And uh, just, but generally, Be'sheva is uh, not in a huge danger. So,
2: for my part, we woke up very normally and, and we found out that something's happening out of the news. It was all quiet here in Netanya. Nothing was happening. It was just like the first things probably I heard is my wife telling me that, do you read this? Do you see this? And I'm saying, what, what's going on? And I opened some, some of the WhatsApp group or with the friends and they were like, there is an attack. And it was like it's, at nine or so probably so so it was three hours already two hours and a half so there were lots of news and the closest we happened to get to this is that that our friends who live in Rehovot Rehovot is uh, closer to Bersheva. if you take to Bersheva, it's like in the middle probably of between Tel Aviv and Bersheva, something like this and they also had this uh, had this missile attack and one of the missiles uh, and they were hiding with their kids in Mamad. Mamad is Mama, a bomb shelter, which is in, in the newly constructed houses. It's right inside your apartment, the special secure room with a steel steel walls and, and a thick steel door and steel blinds. So you just close it down and you're secure. And they were staying in, in this one and the, the missile actually struck their building, not their apartment, but their building. So... They had the the windows were broken. I think one of the doors in the apartment were like thrown away because of the wave. They have two kids, and also she's pregnant with a third one. So they kind of they came to us and we said them okay for sure you're staying here. You're not going anywhere back before it's over. Yeah, indeed they were kind of shocked. Of course, it was obvious that they were like, I mean they were holding themselves, but but they were in shock because it's it's the very different thing. I I, I can understand it when you hear the siren and it personally i experienced it a couple of times before i think in the middle of this year there were some attacks and and i was caught on a, on a highway and i was like looking up and seeing the anti-missile rocket hitting the the rocket and the people drawing to the side lanes, stopping the cars and running so i can understand that it's really i mean. It's very different from what you see, uh, of course, in the news when you are personally in this and you hear these things. And so, yeah, but this is, again, coming back here in in the center in Italian, everything is smooth. So far, we didn't even have any warnings or something.
0: So how do you feel now? Do you feel really stressed and scared of what is going on? I am. (laughs) So, but this is like a difference.
1: Um Yeah. But I know, like I have a friend, she lives like in Herzliya. Herzliya is like in the middle, in between of Netanya and Tel Aviv, closer to Tel Aviv, but still it's like northern part. And so she was like, maybe, you know, you want to come to me. And I'm like, I do want, but at the same time, I will not take a risk to go on this road, like in between of South and uh, Middle, because there's like a lot of roads, uh, rackets right now. And uh, we don't know like where terrorists are on this territory and like what they doing. And uh, I will just not take this risk. I know that like the safest thing is stay in my apartment. And this is what I'm doing. But uh, yes, I'm nervous, but there is some help and support that like people offer, people from Israel as well, as like some of my friends, my therapist offered me an extra session. (laughs) It was very nice of her. So yes, I'm worried and sometimes I'm worried about people who worried about me, but generally I feel like to be in a bigger city like Netanya or Masheva right now is better to be in a smaller city so i think smaller city is the one who is in danger
2: this for me i can kind of try to compare the feelings which i had back in 2022 when we woke up on 24th of february to find out that russia started an invasion and uh this was a bigger shock back then so i'm like i have lots of emotions i'm really sorry that so many people died I'm really sorry that that innocent people were killed. You have all those horrible details on the news, and it makes me sad. On the other hand, I really want to do something, kind of something about it. And here is the big difference, you know, also from Russia, that you actually can. Like, just today we donated some some stuff. They are gathering the, the things for the families from the south who were forced to leave you can donate to of course we donated some funds to the organizations we donated funds to mada and 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 things like that so we also wanted to go and and give blood but turned out that there is there are huge lines of people who are there so they cannot like they cannot take it and they say no 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 we don't like you know, they are picking. They are saying, "Okay, we need this type. We need this, the people who were already donors and things like that." So we don't need to perform the checks because there are crowds of, of people who want to, you know, to, who want to help and support. So, of course, again, mentioned that we don't have any anything close to the sirens or missile attacks here in Netanya. So I think it it also plays the role. But yeah, I was. Uh, I don't think I was. I was in shock other emotions prevailed
1: and i want to add which is like what makes like give me hope and like it just like how people willingly like helping some of the help that uh, was mentioned it was like organized by people itself like things like help for army because of course they mobilize a lot of people and there wasn't like enough supplies for them so people organize by themselves telling what to bring people bring it and it's like thousands of people so people who mobilize they're not just randomly mobilized. it's people who like stay in reserve is it called like reserve in english yes so they stay in reserve they're always like trained and so on so they like agree to be mobilized if it will be needed like this like indifference as well and they trained and so they all who are like in reserve they started to call themselves to the like to their like army units and ask if they need to come or something so people very united now and they're very brave like generally (laughs) and that gives me a lot of hope and a lot of like I don't know sentiments crying when I see how people getting together and um trying to help each other. There is like people who offer their homes for people who
0: need to leave the cities that what's under attack from terrorists and so on. Lots of Russians moved uh, to Israel during the last months. Do you see any sort of initiatives of for the Russian speaking community, some kind of solidarity. Probably there are Russian speaking chats where you see people organizing for, to help the refugees. So are there any special initiatives, Iman, I newly arrived Russian immigrants to Israel?
1: Yeah, I see some activities around, like, uh, is NGO that helps new trans in Israel. So I see some activities from them. And then, like, so in Besheva, there is, like, one of the biggest uh, hospitals in Israel generally, but it's, like, the biggest in South So they have, of course, a lot of people there. A lot of people was brought there who was injured. So people like writing everywhere, like in Russian speaking groups, like, how can I help? I have like medical degree, but I don't really have like Hebrew or like I have Hebrew, but I don't have medical degree or like I have everything. So people trying to help even people who knew Repatrians. So it's like harder for us to find the information, like anytime we need information, but still People trying to find it, trying to find how they can help, what can they bring, and sometimes asking even such things like translations and so on. And people who know Hebrew, translating instructions and so on, helping with elderly people who survived Holocaust to have, uh, they need a special help and something like this.
2: Yeah, I'm a part of a couple of um, Russian speaking groups and, and communities here. Connected to business mostly. What I've seen in like an exact examples of, of what they're doing. So many people are coming to Netanya from south to the hotels as well. There is a special arrangement for the hotels. So they offer the th- free stay. And one guy from here, from local community, he kind of offers to. Bring them the necessities like the, you know, toothpaste, toothbrushes, and all, all those small things that, that you kind of, you don't think of when you're leaving your home under a missile attack. The other people they are organizing. So there is a local, um, Israeli, but also Russian speaking guy. He is operating several apartments in Tel Aviv. So they are arranging the thing to move families, uh, there. And the, the whole community where, where we are a part of is like supporting this and saying, okay, we'll cover your expenses and we will, I don't know, provide them with, with some some help and uh, again, all the necessities they need and things like that. So yeah, the people are not only just, you know, kind of talking and saying, okay, everyone is trying to do something or at least at the very least donate some money or maybe take a
0: part of in actual help. So, are you considering leaving Israel because of these events? For me, it's mostly
1: like I would want to go, but not like leave the Israel. But I just want to go and hug my brother like very much right now. And he lives in Yarrow. But I would do this. I would just go and yeah, hug some of my family.
2: And for me, there is three kids who who depend on me. I wouldn't say that my wife depends on me. She's not. (laughs) But she has a casting vote probably in, in this. But as for me personally, I wouldn't go anywhere. I would prefer to stay. I would, even if there would be some, I don't know, missile attacks or if the thing would be hardened and tightened. Anyway, I don't feel like running. And I think that this is because I have a strong and deep feeling that they... Israel is absolutely right in this war. And the Israel is protecting itself. And I want to be on the Israel side. And I want to support the country as much as I could. The people I talk to, the people I communicate to every day, I don't see it. There are lots of people who can, I, I know they can afford, you know, fly any place and go any place. But they don't. So they stay here because they feel so. Some of them, the interesting thing, one guy said that, someone even said that, yeah, we're, we're actually thinking of leaving Israel, but now it's not the good time to do so. You know, it might sound quite strange that, okay, you were thinking of going somewhere, but why not now when it's in danger? No, now it's like a traitor or something, and I don't want to do this.
0: Okay, and uh, how do you view Russia's reaction to this conflict? Of course, just like, say laughing
1: about like, people dying in Ukraine, why wouldn't they laughing about people dying in Israel?
2: I don't want to make any assumptions why they do this, but of course they don't do what they should. So Russia is probably any state should come up and say that we're against this uh, terrorist attack, which happened uh, on the territory of Israel. So it's like, I don't know, if I recall correctly back then, when it was uh, 9-11 in the U.S., I think that President Putin was the first one or among the first ones who called to the U.S. president of that time and said that we will help you. We know how the terrorism is a great threat and so on and so forth and showed all the ways of, of his support. And what happened during those 20 years? It's absolutely the same as a terrorist attack. It's not a military action. But I don't hear that from Russia, that they, I don't know, they are summoning the Security Council of the United Nations to discuss this and to make a resolution against Hamas or against Hezbollah. So no, they don't do anything. And that's bad because I think that Russia, no, I don't think, I know that Russia still considers Israel a natural state or a friendly state. So why don't they do that?
1: Yeah. What I meant mostly about like the publications, because as, of course, as we know, there is no free media in Russia. So like the publications that was made in, you know, official channels and so on. This is just like media field in Russia is very disgusting. <sighs>
0: And uh, you still uh, probably have friends, relatives uh, who are living in Russia. What was their reaction? Uh, do you talk to them? How do they react uh, on what's going on in Israel right now? I have a lot of
1: people who left Russia also, but in different countries, and I have people who will stay there. So they're mostly just worried about me. I don't think that there is like a huge opinion. On it. I mean, they're just like, if from Russia, they're like, just come back or like everyone just writing, like, come to us, come to us, come to safe place, fly, I don't know, to this country, to that country, no matter where they are. So everyone just like worried and want to offer you a safe space. Yeah. But fly, I need to reach the airport and I will not go this road <laughs> as we already discussed. <laughs> I
2: got a lot of support, lots of people reached out. Of course, the closest friends were the first ones, but also some of the people with whom I probably didn't talk for, I don't know, several months, for some maybe over a year. They all texted, they all asked, how are you doing there? How are you holding? And then what's actually going on? Is it really that bad that it's shown in the press? And so on and so forth. So everyone was asking what's going on and everyone was showing their support. So I, I really... Think that lots of people in Russia do care about what's happening, and I really feel that lots of people in Russia do believe and do know who's right in this conflict. Like to give you an example, I had a chat for hundred fifty people with whom I started, and there was like maybe a couple of guys who were actually, you know, trying to argue that oh, the, the Israel is also doing some bad stuff and things like that among the. Four hundred fifty people who were not, because they understand that no, it's it's the the Israel is the, the side which is completely right here. So yeah, I think that uh, in general it's really true that in general Russians probably support the Israel in this conflict, even though maybe it's not you know explicitly said in the official positions.
1: I just generally want to say that I moved to Israel, like I decided to move to Israel before the war started, like before Russian-Ukrainian war started. And I moved like after and much more faster than I ever planned, but, and I will always be very grateful to Israel to make it possible for me. So I wouldn't choose this decision. This is like, it was my very happy year. one year and a half in Israel. I found a lot of nice, amazing people. And like a lot of nice amazing things here I still here I still love Israel I still love people and I'm planning to build my future here in terms of the decisions and so on so I would maybe want to be somewhere another place <laughs> even in Israel during this but I still want to be like an Israeli person during this conflict.
2: What I can reflect on is that, Probably here you understand what really patriotism and what really patriot is. Because in Russia, unfortunately, the patriot is someone who supports the state. And here you got instantly the feeling that the patriot is someone who supports the people of that state. So the state doesn't matter that much. The people, that's who matters. And here people really support each other. And this is what's indeed the, the patriotism, when you see how the people support their army, how they support each other, how everyone is ready to help, and so on and so forth. And this is what actually makes this country unbeatable, I think.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I always knew it but it's so cool to see on the example where like your government and love your government that like now it's not the patriarchy like it's not about this so you can be disagree with your government and be like super patriotic loving your country and so on and you can see it like everywhere there is a lot of people who disagree with the government but still they love Israel and will do wherever they can for
0: Israel and Israeli people. As you've heard, the Russian authorities' stance on the conflict does not inspire support among Russian experts. In the second part of this episode, we decided to discuss Moscow's position on this conflict and whether the escalation of the Israel-Palestine conflict could benefit the Russian authorities. Joining us is Ivan Kalish, a researcher of Russian policy at the International Center for Defense and Security. Ivan, how do you assess Russia's reaction to what is happening now in Israel?
3: I think overall, Russia is making the most of it, trying to navigate a complex situation, trying to find a way to advance its diplomatic and political goals through the new Situation in, in the Middle East, inside of Israel specifically. I think we can look at specifically what Russia appears to be doing. And of course, there's a lot that might be going on on the background, but uh, at least some things have become more or less clear. First, the most overt element is, of course, Russia's diplomacy. Here, I believe the most kind of conspicuous and revealing moment was the meeting between Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and uh, Secretary General of the Arab League. Most of all, they didn't come out with an ambitious agenda for the ongoing fight, but they did signal a sort of alignment, a type of being on the same page, let's say, between Russia and the Arab League. And I think that that is a very important message that Russia wants to portray, that it is standing with the Arab opinion, which in turn does not, of the Arab states, I I should precise, that in turn does not side with Israel. If you look at uh, reactions of countries across the world, the Arab countries, Arab majority countries have either called for ceasefires or stayed neutral, so to speak, or have outright pronounced themselves in support of Hamas. So Russia is taking a position with the Arab League, which in turn aligns Russia to the broader Arab position. When it comes to another element that I think is important to highlight is disinformation. Right now, looking at social media and the proliferation of actors and the difficulty to attribute disinformation campaigns, it's hard to really assess that conclusively at this stage. But there's clearly an attempt to discredit Ukraine by involving the current fighting in Israel. In particular, the Center for Countering Disinformation in Ukraine has identified an attempt to, let's say, pro russian narrative that attempts to connect the weapons used by Hamas to some alleged Russian deliveries. Western weapons captured by Russia and then delivered to Hamas. And Western weapons sold by Ukraine directly to Hamas even still. This is part of a narrative of of suggesting that Ukraine, that the weapons deliveries made by the West to Ukraine are filtering out and reaching terrorists. So there is this this disinformation element going on. And I think this is these are two elements that kind of relate to Russia's broader policies in the Middle East and kind of broader policy priorities right now.
0: Russia's president Vladimir Putin also said that it's actually fail of uh, the U.S. Uh, politics uh, on the Middle East and uh, that uh, the objective of creating a Palestine state uh, was never fulfilled. Was it predictable, uh, such a statement of Russian president? In a way, Russia's
3: perspective towards the Israel-Palestine conflict, and this goes even back to the Cold War, has been of... Um, Undermining US attempts at mediating the conflict or pursuing its own approach to the conflict there. This is different than what we had in the 1990s. So, in a way, we are inching towards a situation that resembles the Cold War in the Middle East, at least when it comes to the Israel Palestine conflict and the role of Russia and the US. So, in a sense, I I am not surprised. Mm -hmm. The Soviet Union in the 1940s and early 1950s saw Israel as a potential ally or partner, so provided support on the East Bloc, provided support, including military support that some have said even helped Israel win the very early national wars, let's say. Then the turning point was really in the second half of the 1950s. 1954 was the first Russian or Soviet veto at the United Nations Security Council of Syrian and Israeli dispute on, on water use. It's, uh, the details are not as essential because the point is that that was the turning point where Russia decidedly sided with the Arab side in this uh, broader conflict, this broader diplomatic conflict a political conflict. So from then on, the relationship in the Cold War was mostly adversarial. Just to fast forward a bit, 1990s Soviet collapse. It's, there's the Oslo Accords, which attempted to bring a peaceful, an, an end to the armed conflict between the various Palestinian groups and Israel. And Russia now in 1993 is one of the signatories of the Oslo Accords to try to move the conflict to a, from armed confrontation to politics. Russia and Israel have created some sort of close links. It's hard to just say that these are good links or close links. They are positive. But uh, I don't believe really that uh, the leadership of both countries trust each other all that much. There's been much said that Netanyahu kind of understands Putin and Putin understands Netanyahu. But I think trust would be saying too much. Then uh, Russia's full-scale invasion against Ukraine creates a new situation where Israel's balancing between the West and Russia becomes more difficult. At the start uh, it's a different government, it's not the Netanyahu government, it's the Lapid government or Premiership rather. And uh, that one kind of inches towards some sort of support for Ukraine and uh, actually condemns the uh, Bucha massacre quite forcefully. And uh, so appears to give for a moment an, an impression that Ukraine's outreach and engagement with Israel might turn that country towards adopting international sanctions on Russia and uh, actually providing military support for Ukraine. But then in December, Netanyahu returns to the government and seems that Israel returns to this balancing policy.
0: The Chechen leader, Ramzan Kadyrov, expressed his support to Hamas uh, in this conflict. Do you think that uh, this statement might also influence the relations between two countries, uh, Russia and Israel? Is uh, Ramzan Kadyrov treated like seriously in Israel by the Israeli officials?
3: Yeah, um, on the one hand, I want to say no. Kadyrov has you know, this reputation of being very outspoken on international affairs and sometimes expressing views that are very, very much his own. But that said, he is, after all, the term is very kind of inadequate when thinking of Kadyrov, but after all, he is a Russian official, Russian public servant in a way. Of course, in factual reality, he is a warlord that has his own almost fiefdom enabled by, by Putin and the Kremlin. So he is kind of an official, and so what he says when it comes to this especially highly sensitive topic will be noticed in Israel and will probably be noticed also by the Kremlin and how it diverges from the line that uh, the Kremlin
0: is uh, pursuing. Today we see that uh, Ukraine is almost not on the agenda, not on the top news uh, in uh, international media, and uh, that makes uh, many speculations around the conflict and uh, Kremlin's uh, interest in this conflict. And do you think these ideas and these statements can be treated seriously?
3: I would leave the door open to evidence emerging. I wouldn't dismiss just out of hand, because it is true that Russia is a close military partner with Iran, and Iran has uh, its own set of relations with uh, Hamas. And it is true that Moscow has had a contact and a long-standing relationship by now with Hamas. That said, the circumstances don't really make me believe that this Hamas assault took place with any kind of Russian participation. First, kind of when it comes to weapons and supplies and instruments of war, material, kit, anything, uh, Russia needs it. Russia is right now actually importing it from, It's for instance, buying it back from Myanmar, buying it back from, um, some have said Sudan, it's buying it from Iran. So Russia doesn't have kind of weapons and ammunition to spare for military pursuit that Hamas might have. When it comes to other alleged forms of support, um, it's been already quite shocking that this operation has not uh, been detected previously by Israeli intelligence. That does have not only a mighty network internationally and around and inside Gaza itself. So it's already quite surprising that Hamas was able to prepare this, this attack without being detected. So they were very discreet and trying to keep that discretion, of course. So reaching out to Russia or Iran or any other foreign partner would expose these plans and potentially compromise the operation. This is why I believe that if Russia was really involved, some information would have emerged in that sense. Like I said, neither of these two points are hard evidence that could deny ultimately that uh, there might be some Russian element. I just wait for the evidence.
0: Do you have, like, hypotheses how this will affect Russia's war with the Ukraine?
3: I think that I've seen popping up in, in media and publications is... About US support, because like I mentioned, the US is kind of the connecting element for Ukraine and Israel. Of course, Israel has for many years received security assistance to the tune of $2, 3000000000 billion every year. I think in most recent, it was $3.8 billion per year. And Ukraine since 2022 has received from the US the dollar equivalent, the kind of military assistance in a dollar value equivalent of $113 billion. It's not even a discussion, really. It's more certain politicians and certain actors saying, you see, this war in the Middle East is now evidence that we need to pivot away from Ukraine and focus on other things. And people that that make the, the same argument regarding Taiwan are also making this case. But again, I must stress that this is a false dichotomy. This all costs money and the US only has so many resources to go around and so much attention to give to different crises. The US defense expenditure of every year is $800 billion or and over. So, the amount of money that, that the US gives to Israel every year is not that much when compared to the total expenditure. Plus, the dollar value given to Ukraine, it's of course a lot, but it's kind of commensurate in a way with the, the war of self defense that Ukraine is fighting. So, right now, what I see, for instance, coming from the White House and from other actors is that they're very much determined to prove that they can. To use the expression "walk and chew gum," and I think that that's in a way kind of these Western actors, the US notably, trying to communicate that that this fighting in, in Israel won't impact their commitments to Ukraine. I think the way that this definitely affects the war is that it gives some munition, metaphorically speaking, figuratively speaking, gives ammunition to those that want to that are advocating for a diminution support for Ukraine. So, by saying that this war is going on, so. So, in a way, a long war between Israel and Hamas is in nobody's benefit, including for Ukraine. It will increase the pressure ever so more for them to make a case of continued uh, military support for Ukraine.
0: What developments and outcome of this conflict could be beneficial to the Russian leadership?
3: I think, like I mentioned at the very start, they're definitely making the most of the fighting uh, in Israel. As I mentioned, through disinformation, through diplomacy, through different, probably other means that we're not even maybe aware of. But ultimately, I agree with the opinion that a short war kind of adds to Russian foreign policy rather than a long war. Because a long war can brings the risk of a regional conflict, of a broader conflict between Israel and more countries or among other countries. I don't want to get too speculative, but uh, ultimately Russia does need a baseline of stability in the Middle East, especially for its uh, armed presence in Syria, which has been, in a way, the 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 staging ground, or almost the the platform from which Russia has actually gained a lot of scope in its Middle Eastern diplomacy and become a more attractive partner for players and actors in the Middle East. So if its presence in Syria becomes threatened by a larger conflict that covers a larger swath of the Middle East, then uh, that would harm Russia's foreign policy. So in a way, Russia wins with a short war, but perhaps paradoxically or counterintuitively, it might lose from a long war between Israel and uh, Hamas, or potentially Hezbollah if they decided to enter Iran. You see, there's many threads that uh, can push this conflict in different directions, or they can pull this conflict in different directions, and some of those affect Russia, kind of go against Russia's positions in the Middle East. I think Israel actually has quite a bit of scope in this, and what I'm interested in in seeing is what will be the Israeli reaction to Russia's very lukewarm approach to it and its defense against uh, this attack by Hamas how Israel perceives Russia's diplomatic maneuvers. That I'm kind of interested in seeing how it evolves. Because if Israel sees Russia standing with Hamas, then Israel might shift its position on Ukraine. It might shift its attitude towards continued cooperation with uh, Russia. To put it in a very simple way, when it comes to Israel-Russia relations, the, the ball is in the Israeli court. And now it will depend on how they will responded to, to Russia's uh, positions in, in this current round of fighting.
0: That's all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss it. Thank you for listening to Russia on the Record.